about to listen to the words and teachings of Pastor Shola Oshimakide of the household of David. Be blessed. Okay, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think we started from there on Wednesday. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it's a very popular Bible passage. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. <laughs> Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. So, let's read. I'm going to start from verse 1. The Bible says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have no charity, and become as sounding brass or a tinkly cymbal, do I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all the knowledge, and do I have all faith so that I can move mountains and have no charity, I am nothing. Do I bestow all my goods to feed the poor? Do I give my body to be born and have no charity? It profits me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does, charity vaunted, vaunted not itself, it's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not our own, not easily provoked. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> Paul ended chapter 12. And remember, originally, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and in um, verses. So they put them there so that we'll be able to understand them. So he just wrote one letter. So we can start from. Um, chapter 12, the last verse, it said, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I a more excellent way. So, <laughs> then he started by saying that, Do I speak in tongues of men? So, Apostle Paul was saying that, Go for the best gifts. So, he mentioned I gift of the spirits, and he said, Go for the best one. So which one of the nine gifts is the best? Is it word of knowledge? Is it word of wisdom? Is it gift of faith? Is it the sign of spirits? Workings of miracle? Prophecy? Diverse tongues? Interpretation of tongues? Or gifts of healing? Those are the nine gifts that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then he said that, I am advising you to go for the best. And he said, let me show you the excellent way. So the excellent way is the way of love. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I started both on Wednesday and this morning by saying that the major thing that a Christian should be taught once you are born again uh, is not how to chase demons, though that's good. <laughs> what we should be taught is how to walk in love. That's extremely important. Whatsoever you become as a Christian, whatsoever level you attend to, whatever gift of the Spirit you function in, if it is not governed by the principle of love, it will be misused. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the foundation of our Christianity is working in love or understanding the love of God. Praise the Lord. So Paul now decided to say, so the Bible says some things about this love that we are talking about. And there is one part which I want to emphasize today. We looked at one first service, I want to look at another one, which says that love does not insist 
on his own way of doing things. And is not easily provoked. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5. Let's start from verse 16. Galatians 5. And we look at two men. And we end this morning. Just quickly. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. So the way of the flesh is different from the way of the spirit. So that you cannot do things that you would. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and plenty of them, envy, drunkenness, rebellion, such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Everybody say one fruit. When your life is dominated by the Spirit of God, this is the fruit coming from it. And I said that this fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So last Sunday I started talking about Christian community. Because um, <laughs> Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I have written this letter to you. That thou mayest know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the grand and the pillar of truth. So there is a behavioral pattern in the kingdom of God that every Christian must understand. Otherwise, coming to the kingdom will not be different from coming to any other society in the world. Because right now, Christians gossip. Christians prick one another, they fight one another, they pick on one another. And it's because we have many people who have come into Christ and their heart is yet to be circumcised. They have not understood the ways of the Lord. And one of the major things that will dominate you if you are still carnal is that self will be at the center. You want it your way. And you want your way. Your needs are the most important thing to you. Your way is the most important thing, the only way. And when there is a problem. You know there are Christians who cannot sit down for five minutes with other Christians without gossiping about somebody else. They, they can't just be somewhere and not talk about somebody else. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Before we go here, you know, I've been talking about, because before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious church will appear. And the glorious church is a multifaceted church. Part of the things that will be happening in that church is that it will be a church that is healthy in character. Hallelujah. Amen. I read something in Joel 2 is, and I want to read it again. This is a prophecy about foreign armies. But then there's something to learn from it. The Bible says, Neither shall one trust another. They shall walk everyone in his paths. And when they fall upon sword, they shall not be wounded. I believe the reason why when they fall on sword, they will not be wounded is because nobody, they shall walk everyone in his paths. They shall not trust one another. Wow. Hallelujah. If you have some translation, something like they shall not break their ranks. Everyone will match. Everybody understands his path, his gift, his assignment, and they work in it and they don't trust one another. Nobody's fighting anybody. Nobody's pricking somebody. That, 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 that's an unusual army. 
And I believe that God is waiting for the body of Christ to get to this level. Where if you tell somebody something, you are safe that the person will not broadcast what you have said. Where people will stop taking advantage of one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the world is looking for this kind of church. That, are, that operates this way. Because right now there is none. But Jesus Christ is preparing his people to get into it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Yes, sir. So, so that's why we are looking at this. That there is a character. There is a conduct. There is a way of life of a Christian that is born again. And you must begin to work with God to start pruning, purifying your heart to start walking this way. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I, I said two things are very important to God and on Wednesday we looked at two people that we are going to look at in a while. Just two people to illustrate this point and to understand what exactly God is looking at. Remember, First service we read, the Bible said that true love we are able to comprehend with all the saints. That's Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17 and 18. That by love, we say that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the breadth, the width, the height, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all the fullness of God. That means it is possible for a mortal man to be filled with the fullness of God and the way to reach is that he must be rooted and grounded in love. Praise the Lord. Um, but the aspect of it I'm looking at is how we behave in the house of God. For some reasons, in, in, in the last two weeks, uh, the Lord has been saying, man, I have to address this issue. Because there are too many Christians in the kingdom of God who don't know how to behave. Loose mouth, loose heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you following me? Yes, and if we don't teach, you see, you have an opportunity once you are born again to learn the things of the Spirit. But if you don't learn, you will be a problem in the house of God. You know, some people have made some other people to leave church. You can begin to put a stumbling block. The way some people make friends, like I said first time, the, only, the way they make friends is to gossip about some other people. That's how they keep friends. And when you are like that, that's a miserable life to live. You, you keep people around you by telling them things about other people. Hallelujah. Is somebody with me Amen. You know, so the aspect we are looking last we are looking at all of them having one thing in common. Last week, sorry, looking at having things, all things in common. But today I'm looking at the kind of art that, that attracts God. And I want to draw a parallel between King David and King Saul, which is very important. And I want you to pay attention. Just a brief journey into these two guys, and you're going to know something about the two of them. What is it that God is looking for? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Things, the way men see things. You know, I, I said this here before that many, you know, there are people, <laughs> I said first, there are people, the only person they have not fought is God Almighty. And why they have not fought God is that they have not seen Him. If they can see Him, and He tells them it's like, they will say, no, it's like this. You, you see a situation among Christians. Two Christians are having a problem and the, the, a pastor tells them, no, no, you are wrong, don't do that. He goes home still saying that the pastor is siding the other person. You have become an authority to yourself that you believe every other person is wrong except you. Love is far from your heart. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. When we start preferring the other person above ourselves, it will help us to walk in this love. So, what exactly did Saul do that made God to reject him? And what can we learn from King Saul? I want to show you his story. First, I will look at Joseph. But I just want to that. And I establish the fact that everything that God has called you to be, whatever God wants to do in your life, every promise, like Joseph having a vision, the things that God has said to you, they are true. But you cannot enter into them in this present shape. So God will have to reshape you. That is the reason of the discipline, for the discipline of the Lord. And it's a message that Christians don't like. It will. So we looked at that in Joseph's first service. When he was saying, I, I, say, I've dreamt, I've dreamt. And when God was true with him, when he told Pharaoh the meaning of it, he said, let Pharaoh look for another man that will do this. And Pharaoh said, you are the man. From I am the man to, you know what, look for someone else. There is a way that God prunes you. And it makes you the better you that you ought to be. Amen. And we should submit ourselves to this, chast- this dealing of the Lord. This teaching. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So every word spoken. Because nothing interests God more than your spiritual development. Your spiritual maturity. So all the visions he has shown. All the things, the dreams you have. They are just a step away from you. If you let God reshape you first of all. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Okay, so let's look at these two guys. So let's start from 1 Samuel 13. It's going to be interesting. We just want to check, check out one guy. 1 Samuel 13. You know, that was when Saul was ordained king, chapter 10, 11, 12. But in 13, Samuel gave him an instruction. He said, wait for me before you perform the sacrifice. And then, no, so around verse 7 or so. He went, waited for many days, verse 8. And tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Verse 9. And Saul said, Bring either a burnt offering to me, and a peace offering, and he offered the burnt offering. Verse 10. It came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of the offering, Samuel came, and Saul went to meet him, and he went to salute him. Next verse. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, See, this is the, this is the problem. In Psalm 51, David said that a broken and a contrite spirit you will not reject. Other Psalm 51 verse 17. A broken and a contrite spirit. Oh, I'm praying for a generation to have this thing in them. And I point out something to them on Wednesday. Do you realize? Look, look at <laughs> Samuel said, what did you just do? And so began to explain. Oh, how many Christians have I met like this? They are full of their own ways. And he began to justify what he did. I see, you said seven days, and when you did not come, I did this. Just like his grandpa or great-grandpa, Adam. Have you noticed that Adam never said sorry to God? When God came to Adam and said, Who asked you to eat the fruit? He said, the woman you gave me. And in God talking and talking about the fruit eating, there was no record of Adam saying sorry once. Christians who are like this, that no matter what, when they are talking about the case, what you are interested in is to justify yourself. You know, people are like that. And they carry to marriage. As the other person is talking, your wife is talking, you are not hearing what, what she's saying. 
you are preparing for her to finish what she said and then counter everything. So they talk, are you true? And you start. <laughs> you know, some, some men are like that also. Your friend or your sister is saying something, painting her, all you are waiting for just for her to stop so that you can finish her, point for point. Nothing goes in. Saul was always having an answer for everything. This was the beginning. And the thing kept growing in him. He was just made a king here. Samuel just said, didn't I say she wait for me? He should have kept quiet. He was talking to the most anointed man on the face of the earth. I, you said you will come seven days. When I didn't see you, so I decided to do. And Samuel said, that, you know what? Your kingdom. Let's read on. He said, therefore, the Philistine will come. I have not made submission. He started giving an explanation. Next verse, verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded thee. For now, the Lord would have established the kingdom of Israel in your hand forever. That means this is a little test. But now, thy kingdom shall not continue. And the Lord has sought him a man. I'm always amazed the way God talks. Somebody did say the Lord will seek for a man. He said the Lord has sought. That tells me as a pastor. See, whatever we are doing for God, there is somebody on the south bench. Hallelujah. Whatsoever you do for God is a privilege. The day you let it enter your head, and you, you will understand that He can quickly get someone else. And while you are working for God, somebody else is judging. Why did Jesus say, Let no man take your crown? It's for grass. Ah, no man will take my crown. Arrogance will make me to start feeling. That's why I cannot feel for once that if I'm not in the church on Sunday, service will not. Who am I? Service will hold whether I'm here or I'm not here. And people will get blessed whether I'm here or I'm not here. The only person that we cannot do without here is God himself. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. No, pride is a terrible thing. So this guy started on that note. Just like it, he just told him, so Samuel said, the kingdom, God has sought for another man. And, you know, next verse. And Samuel arose and got him off from Gia and went away. You know, Saul never said sorry. Have you noticed? When Samuel, he explained why he did what he did. And Samuel told him that you still acted foolishly. And never said, please, sir. He just said, well, no problem. And, well, like God, even though God is merciful, if the guy had begged, but you see, God is merciful. In spite of the fact that he never said story, God still gave him another chance. 1 Samuel 15. Let's read. 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint you over king, king over Israel. Now therefore, hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. So another Samuel was given. Don't say the Lord. I remember with the, what Amalekite did to Israel. God is amazing. This people did this thing hundreds of years before them. But God said, I remember. It's time for payback. <laughs> How he laid the way for them on the way when they came out of Egypt. Now go smite the Amalekite. Look at instruction. Some people have serious problem with instructions. When they say two, they come to fifteen. And when you talk, they get angry. One of the manifestations of carnality is that you will hate instruction. The Bible says a wise man proverbs listen to instruction. Hallelujah. Now go smite the Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. Spare not them. Slay. Let's start. One. Slay what? Both. 
What's number two? Number three? Number four? Is that clear enough? Let's move on. And so gathered the people and numbered them. Let's start from verse six. And so said to the Kenites, okay, those were not, Amalek, I said, get out, I'm about to waste this people. Verse seven. And smote Amalek from Avila until that comes to Shua. Verse eight. And he took Agag, the king of Amalek, alive, and utterly destroyed the people. Number one, disobedient. He kept the king. Next verse. And Saul. What's the first name here? And what? Not the people and Saul. Saul, every word in the Bible is very important. Saul and the people spared Agag. What's the next thing? And what's the next thing? All that was good in their eyes. Next one. But everything that was violent and refused, they destroyed. Next verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me. He has not performed my commandment, and he grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel was, Lord God, have mercy. Saul was the first king Samuel ordained. So there was this bond. Samuel didn't want God to cast away this guy. So he was praying. On, and God didn't say anything. You know, God was looking at Samuel. You know, you can feel that you are more righteous than God. God was telling Samuel that, we have rejected this guy. You do understand. Samuel was praying. But after Samuel soon saw what God said. You know, just like I said, on, on the mountain. These were worshipping like that. God told Moses, I'm going to wipe them off. And Moses said, ah, ah. Their sin can't be that many. Just forgive them. He said, if you show them, what will, this, what, what will the Egyptians say? What would they say? And God told Moses, no problem. Now, Moses was telling God on the mountain, giving God his why he should not destroy the people. When he came down from the mountain and he saw them, he killed 12,000 himself. <laughs> he broke the Ten Commandments, sprinkled over water and forced them to drink. So God was like, bros. You don't see. <laughs> because when God was talking on the mountain, he felt that God was getting angry too much. But when he saw the state, the Bible said they were naked and they were worshiping idol. But he said, Chai, bring salt. <laughs> and God said, I thought to save my own anger was too much. <laughs> you, you understand? So the same thing, when Samuel was crying, God was looking at Samuel that you don't understand the guy that we are dealing with. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and Samuel rose early in the morning to go and meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set the place. Next verse. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Next verse. And Samuel said, <laughs> what, the, what then is the bleating of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen which I hear? So as he was saying that I have obeyed the Lord, they just said, <laughs> Samuel said, really? <laughs> you know, animals don't know how to pretend. And Samuel was like, didn't I specifically say all animals included? And that disobeying God was not the problem. But this art that is stubborn, that will not bow even when you are wrong. Oh, some people will rather die than to say sorry. 
whether to husband, to wife, to boss, as well, they would rather die than to say sorry. Have you seen how little conflict can bet big problems? And for years, there are siblings who don't talk to one another. Just because none is willing to say sorry. And they would rather, they are both in Lagos and several years they have not spoken. On top of Ashebi, that was brought late or brought early. And you, you, the reason I didn't wear that clothes was that you brought, no, I told you my colleague yesterday, and just because of that, like that. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Look at what Saul said. And Saul said, they have brought them for, from the Amalekites. He said, they have brought them. But the way we read, the Bible said that Saul and the people. But now he pushes on the people that they have brought them. He said, for, for the people spare the best of sheep and oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. He was trying to patronize Samuel. First of all, he blamed the people. Secondly, he told Samuel that he said, what want to do with this? Sacrifice to the Lord your God. And Samuel was looking at this fool talking. That when a man, oh, I've met people like this, only God knows how many times. No matter what, they are interested in expressing themselves. Whatever case you talk about, they can spend six hours trying to explain why they are right and that person is wrong. When you are like that, carnality has bound you. And you need Christ to set you free. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There are times like Daniel, petitions are signed against you and you say nothing. Those who fight for their rights will never see the hand of Jehovah fighting for them. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Then Samuel said to Saul, I will tell you what the Lord has said tonight. And he said, say on. Say on. Next verse. And Samuel said, when he told him the story of his life. When you were little, God anointed you. Next verse. The Lord has sent you to a journey to destroy. Next verse. Sorry, we need to read this. He said, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But you kept part of the last minute. Look at verse 20. He spoke again and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Samuel was getting, and now, this is the point. See, at, the, at that point, even though God said to Samuel that I have rejected him, he wasn't beyond remedy. Samuel, God wouldn't totally reject any man that time until Samuel's consent. You understand? So, Samuel could still go back to God and talk. I told people that mind what you do with intercessors. I'm not saying those who collect money from people in the name of praying for them and all those things. Somebody that genuinely tables people's matter before the Lord, those who are anointed of God. Now, every Christian under Christ, you have direct access to God. But some can also help you. Fivefold ministry. But they help you scripture and not outside the Bible. But nowadays, there are prayer contractors that people give money to go and pray. That's an effort in futility and that's stupidity. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? But Saul, Samuel was the prophet. He could have still helped this guy. But he was arguing with Samuel. For the second time, he emphasized again, I have obeyed God. Ah, what are you saying? And he said it again that the people brought, he said, we brought this thing just to worship the Lord thy God. He said, I have brought Agag, the king of Amalekites. I've all I've destroyed every other thing. Next verse. But the people took, put it on the people again. Verse 22. And Samuel said, Do you think God has delight in us? So you think God will be bright 
by mentioning that you want to sacrifice to him. And he said, you think God has more delight in burnt offering than obeying him? He said to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of ram. He said for rebellion is a sin of, it's a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. I said this on Wednesday. Have you heard evil Christians say that? Me, I know I'm stubborn. You are an idol worshiper. That's what the Bible is saying. I've heard that from men, some Christians talk like that. I know I can be very stubborn. Me, I can be very stubborn. You can be what? That's against the fruit of the Spirit. That's a dangerous place to be. If you are stubborn as a Christian, kneel down for mercy and start praying. It is not a thing to brag about. That's what the Bible says, that anyone that is stubborn, you are like an idol. When God sees you, he sees an idol worshiper. I grew up in Abelta. Those who dance before my school, that's how he sees you. <laughs> and you are glorying in it. I can be very stubborn. You know me, I can be very stubborn. That's not the way Christians should talk. It is not in the spirit of God that is in you. It's not in your spirit. If you are born again, your spirit is located. That stubbornness is from your soul. And you need to conquer it. Hallelujah. Amen. Say me, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> so, you know, because thou hast rejected the word Lord, he has also rejected it from being king. Next verse. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Now, you will take his repenting now. After the verdict was given. He said, I transgress. He said, because I fear the people more. But he was shooting for something. Next verse. Now, therefore, I pray the pardon my sin. Turn again with me, that I might worship the Lord. Why? Why is he saying this? Next verse. And Samuel said, I will not return to you. You have rejected the Lord. He has also rejected you. Next verse. Then he spoke his reason. He said, Samuel turned about to go. He laid old. Said him, the one that the gods will slay. They will make him angry. They wanted to burn this guy. He was putting petrol on himself. Samuel was going and he took Samuel's clothes and he tore it. And Samuel said, now I know. You are in serious soup. <laughs> now, next verse. <laughs> God has taken the, he said, God has taken the king and he has given it to your neighbor. Next verse. The strength of Israel in the next verse. Then he said, I have sinned. Look at the next that followed. This is what is still in his heart. Honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel. Turn that I may worship Eventually, Samuel followed him, but he knew that that's the end of this guy. The same people whose voice will obey beyond the voice of God. Now, you know why he said, I've seen the others were around. And he was telling Saul, Samuel that he said, Look, don't let them think that I'm down. At least honor me. Just follow me. Let's walk together so that they will think we are still together. And Samuel said, that's what you want, Abi. Repentance is not important to you. Your reputation is more important. Anyone who considers his reputation, and as Honestly, this is the number one issue even among Christians. When you see healthy people, those who are strong-headed, it is this thing about their reputation. Say, uh, I'm not against what he said, no, but he said it publicly. One girl was slapped by him. I'm not saying it's right for a woman to slap the boy outside, but he said, why I'm praying my mom slapping me is that she slapped me outside. And so what? Reputation. Said the, the people. What would the people think? Something that they will look lower in the class eyes of everybody when they say, I'm sorry. This is the reason. One day, a one Christian brother, it happened in one church. I mean, I think he raped or did something to one, one lady like that. 
and the council called, and he looked at those who were in council, maybe about 12, and he said he didn't do it. He denied, and on his way home, his friend was lying. He told the friend, so you expect me to tell the truth before them. That one is not a Christian. So people, they are reputed. That's why, you know, I, sincerely speaking, even here, I have asked people question by the spirit. The Holy Spirit showed me something. And I asked the person, and the person lied. Because some people, the first thing they do when you ask them is to defend themselves. No, 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 it's not so. You are making it difficult for your redemption to come. If you love that attitude, you think that you are naked before somebody that wants to wash you, you think it's a sign of weakness. Go and show somebody something, and he tells you, you know you've done it, but you deny. No, no, no. Because you, you feel that you are down if you say yes. And the angels are watching you. Go with your problem. Go. If I need to adjust anything or repent, I don't care about anybody. This contrite spirit, it attracts people to God. This is why people sink into problems and acts of sin. This is why they sink. Every Christian you see sinking into iniquity. There are Christians around them who can help them, but they will never tell them the truth. And that's the reason. Because I also do marriage counseling. I've seen this problem. People are thinking they will not. God forbid, if there is a cause for me to tell anybody that things are not fine, I will not hesitate to tell you that things are not fine. When you are down completely, everybody will see that time. So when you have opportunity for somebody to help you, and you are, you are camouflaged, hey, it's okay, I'm fine. I'm, you just don't want to. And God is mercy saying somebody comes to meet you that I saw this and I remember it happened when we were you at one time. I just sat on my bed and I saw like a vision. I saw one of our brothers used to be in the prayer department there with a bottle of Gouda and a cup in his hand. Uh-uh. So I called the person. I said this. I said, it might not mean physically you are doing. I said, but you are beginning to slide into some things. The guy fought me. In his own case, two weeks after they actually came back to confess, I tried, I didn't know why he did not. I just felt like he just didn't want to. But why, why, first of all, your first reaction is to reject when people are telling you something, even though you know it's true. Why? Are you following me? Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> Samuel followed him, his reputation. But let me show you the opposite. In the sight of men, the sin that David committed, what exactly did Saul do? If you were a man, you would think he had reasons, you would justify Saul more than David. Am I right? Somebody said he was coming in seven days' time. He didn't come, so he offered the thing. It looked like a trivial problem. But David took a man's wife and killed the man. And God let David go, but God did not forgive Saul. The kingdom was not taken from him. Was God being partial? He was looking beyond their actions. He was looking at their hearts. Now look at David. Let's see. 2 Samuel chapter 12. You are going to see the difference between these two people now. You know, this was after he slept with Bathsheba. And then... And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich, one poor. <laughs> the rich man had a silly many flocks and heads. The body poor man had nothing, save one little help, which he brought and nourished up. The thing grew with him, was always in his bosom as a daughter. Verse 4. And they came a traveler to, rich man, to the rich man, and he speared, he speared to take his own flock from his head to dress. But he took that of the poor man and dressed him for his visitor. Verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, 
the man that had done this shall surely die. You know, it's very easy to judge the mistake of others when it comes to you. Amen. Nathan used an illustration. He said one rich man, uh, he, he had a visitor. Instead of him to take one of his own sheep, he took the only sheep that a poor man had to entertain his visitor. And David said, why? He said, honestly, I will kill that guy. <laughs> In this country, where I'm the king, I will kill the guy. And next verse. He said he will restore four food. So even before I kill him, I'll first of all let him restore four food, then I'll kill him. Because he did this and he had no pity. Verse 7. And Nathan said, Bros, thou art the man. Don't fear the Lord. I anointed the king over Israel. You know that Samuel used the same word for Saul. I delivered thee out of the hand of thy master. Verse 8. Remember from verse 7. Verse 8. I gave thy master's house thy wife, all those things, if they were too little, I would have given you more. Verse 9. Wherefore thou despise the commandments of the Lord, to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with sword, and you have taken his wife. You have slain with sword of the children of Ammon. Verse 10. Now therefore Saul shall not depart from thy house, because thou hast despised me, and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus said the Lord, I will raise up evil against thee, out of thy own house, I will take thy wife before thy eyes and also. Verse 12. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Verse 12. And David said, Number one, look at how long Nathan spoke for. Unlike Saul, no interruption. Did you notice that? When he would talk, the first thing that came out of his mouth, I read it together. If you were God, can you see two people? One maintained the fact that you obey God. Even when they were telling no, 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 no. I have obeyed God. And every time Samuel spoke, Saul spoke. Samuel spoke, Saul spoke. But for David, he heard everything. The judgment was being read against him. Evil would be against him and he was listening. When Nathan finished, the first thing he said, he acknowledged straight away, I have sinned against the Lord. He immediately said so. The next thing Nathan said, the Lord has put away that even God could not punish the guy. That, what a humble fellow. What a broken person. He didn't pause for one hour and try to see how to adjust. And guess what? If we read the story very well, unlike so, the elders were around. David didn't care. He said it publicly. I have sinned. And God told Nathan, tell him that I've forgiven him. That there are some punishments that will stand. But as for him, I have forgiven. I am moved by the fact that no defense, no excuse, no nothing. He just accepted it like that. That he has sinned. It is called a contrast spirit. A broken heart. A heart that is soft. A heart that God has touched. Oh, all over the body of Christ, this kind of heart is needed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is, this is what every Christian ought to possess. Is this same art also with which somebody tells a lie against us and we don't retaliate. It is the absence of this art that makes people to pray fire down on their enemies. Even though Jesus clearly said that when your enemy is hungry, feed him. Jesus said that bless those who persecute you. Now we have churches all over Nigeria who are causing those who persecute them. And cause them, cause them to die. 
And who are the persons they are talking about? Somebody in their office who is against them. Or who is not even against them. Maybe in some cases, someone that is demanding a higher level of competence from them is their enemy. He must die. To the point that people write names of people physically. I have seen this word, physical name. Adewale, Adesoji. And they were throwing it into a fire in the church. All your enemies burn them. The only angel that is present in that kind of service is angel of destruction. Certainly not angels of God, not ministry spirits. Why? And this is spreading among many Christians. Consciousness of an enemy that they must attack and they must kill. The devil has occupied you when you are like that. He's just giving you work to do. Forever, people will oppose you. Any new job you get, as I share the testimony, after a while, trials will come. Is it every day you're happy with your job? Now, times you get to the office and events will happen. It is part of it. Jesus said, in this world shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's why we have a joy that cannot be contaminated. People dance at the altar. To the front, husband and wife. They are wedding. That's why I told you. I can't, every time I don't get away from this thing. Don't be too preoccupied planning wedding. Not planning your marriage. You can plan wedding and not plan marriage. And you are wearing a gown that is flowing from the door to this place. That doesn't guarantee a good home. So in the course of planning the wedding, they begin to see issues, some things. But they will not iron out the thing because they are too consumed with the planning of the wedding. Ketra, it's no more 700 people, it's 2,000 plates. And the Ketra will rejoice. Because the prophet is coming. And what shall it profit a couple? I haven't fed the old world. And you cannot feed your own family. You don't have a bed. You are buying a wedding gown of 300,000. To be one on one day. And there's no bed to be sleeping on every day. Where is your wisdom? If you have money for wedding gown, no problem. But if you know that you don't have enough money, what are you wasting? Who are you trying to impress? It's part of this not reputation. Always wanted to impress somebody. You want your friends to come and take. Take what? When they come, they go take. Take what? And this is what people do. You are doing things. So you want your friends. If not for my wife and my family. I wanted to wear jeans on my wedding day. If they join us and you think they have not joined us because I'm wearing jeans, then go back to your house. It will limit the number of food to be prepared. I don't know, people, they stretch and, you know, <laughs> you must let this thing die. Trying to impress, trying to prove a point to people. Every time you see a person spending beyond his means, this is what causes it. There is, and some of the people you are trying to impress are not even aware of what you are doing. I remember the day, God started to give some of this as a young boy, I saw the futility of this thing. One of our friends, his uncle came to town, his secondary school. My secondary school was such that 60% of the people in the school, they were born students from Lagos. I school in Abeuta, uh, I mean, the school that I went to, the governor's children were there, the Alake were there, that was a school fellow, and the entire family went to the minister. And so, it's like the second oldest school in Nigeria, and it's the most popular in Ogun State and everything. So, you know, all the directors of education, all the commissioners, all commissioners, their children were in the school and everything. So, after school, 2.20, which close to 2.20, at the front of our school, you see all kinds of official cars. 
All kinds. For the governor's son to be in the school, you understand. And, and they used to flog all of us together. Because an every person having a child in our school finished from our school also. In fact, the only school in Nigeria, I don't know about that, but one of the schools that I know that you can't be a principal in my school without first of all finishing from the school. So all the principals we've had, except the first one, they finished from the school. So Fela's father was the principal when Fela was a student. So the tradition has continued like that. So wherever you are, they will flog you. With white, white and grey. And part of the culture was that children must be flogged. So wealthy people who feeling like, can you imagine on your, on your, on the former on your was my school. And they used to beat everybody. So all of them would put their children there and look, I want to be disciplined here, so they will flog you. And they, we used to lie down on the floor. So after beating, your wife will be dirty as part of the tradition that you've been beating. That was, that, those were the culture then. I mean, we, <laughs> and it was a lot of that established, Reverend Kuti established discipline. The motor of my school is Proverbs 1, the fear of God, the beginning of wisdom. Reverend Kuti did all that. He stayed and it has stayed like that. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. I remember then. So my uncle, my, my friend came to town and he had the latest car, one of the latest cars in Nigeria then. So he stayed with them and he brought the car, he came from Lagos and he brought the car, very flashy car. And my friend begged the uncle that carry me to school so that at the front of the gate, everybody will see that I'm coming down from, what was the car there? V-Boots. And he come down from V-Boots, you know. So <laughs> surprisingly, he targeted the time that he felt people would be rushing into gates and the uncle carried him there and he came down from the car and nobody saw him. You know what he did? When he came down, he entered the car and he wanted to tell uncle something serious. But he didn't have anything to say. He was hoping that more people would pass. He came down again, nobody saw him. Then he entered again. Then he came down, then he went to class, dejected. Because they brought V-Boots, they used V-Boots to drop him in school and none of his friends saw the car. Nobody saw him coming out of Vibu. And that was the picture he had in his head. That he will come down. You know, sometimes you spend your time preparing for those who don't send you. Thank God for those who have done wedding here. And only, only 50, people, 50 people were invited. If you say our wedding is between seven people, even me as a pastor, if I'm not invited, I'll be happy for you. Seven people. I would rather you save your money and buy yourself good furniture in your house that you are happy with than spend all the money and you are not exciting faith because you are sleeping on the floor. That TV will come. So your wife is asking you, where is the TV? You said, I see, I have a vision. It's stronger than television. <laughs> all those lyrics. <laughs> your vision should have produced TV by now. <laughs> Are you, are you with me? So I'm saying to everybody this morning, it must increase. That was what John said. And I must decrease. Self must go. Praise the Lord. Self is the opposite of the cross. It must go. Since looking at yourself, your interest, that's the reason why also, I, I think I said this, no matter the blessing God gets to you, don't be the final points. You to bless somebody. Even if you are trusting God for 700 and somebody gives you 50. 50 is far from 700. Is it a problem to give someone else 5,000 out of that 50? But what you are going to tell the person, I say, even me, I'm still looking for 650 more. 
You might not receive the 650. How about the fact that you need 700? Somebody has given you 50. 5,000 you give to somebody is an answer to someone's prayer. Your own prayer too will be answered. Make sure that you are not the last person on the ch- when it comes to the chain. Let something pass from you to someone else. This is very, very important. Remember, I hate to say, every time I said I've always said that it, it's painful. That I, I mean, I went to a particular camp. I've told you before, because I don't want to mention, but I've mentioned them. Before. I, went to, and I, I was just, you know, one of my days of taking time to fast for days without eating, you know, just so when I want to attack, I stay away from the home. And so I just went to this camp and I was passing by. I was in the room. I just locked myself in the room for uh, praying. And then about the second or third, I decided to just take a stroll. Because I like also walking, praying. And I just got to this auditorium and I saw a lot of poor people there, even carrying pots into the auditorium. And I gave them about 13,000 to the, some of them. And there was a small prayer meeting. Some of them, 2-2K, had about 13,000 and I exhausted all the money. They sent their children for the other ones. Can I, Uncle, I'm not eating today. And I'm sorry, just, okay, okay, take, take. And they took it back to their parents. And there was service and they passed offering plates. And some of these people, the 2,000 I gave them, they put it inside. Everyone will find it difficult to send rain to such people. Five minutes before, they were not expecting 2,000. Somebody gave them 2,000 now. To remove 200 to give God problems. And I've said to people that don't have poverty mentality. That is what makes you to say, I don't have. Somebody says that, I'm traveling. I need 15K. I want to take a bus to Shokoto and everything. Oh, I only have 10k here and I need it. Take two out of 10. God will raise somebody also to give you the remaining. You don't, don't say, I don't have money. Because what is in your hand is far from what you want to do. Yes, it is true that what you have is more to what you want to do, but it is, that's why it's called seed. Seed, it represents the whole. Take something small from it and give. Never be in a place. That is the kingdom of God and they are doing a project and you are not part of it. I've told you before, if all you have is 500, take 50, 100, give. Don't say I don't. Once they say, uh, those who have, let them, I don't have. It will be unto you according to your faith. And God can help you if you develop this kind of mindset that I don't have. You understand? Praise the Lord. That's what some of us, once you hear that they are raising money for the poor, you go to an entry, there's a box there, there are motherless children. You don't want to go, somebody tells you that you don't have money. Who told you that you don't have money? Even if it's five naira, you see those boxes? Give. You might be on your way. You are coming from an interview, they just said they are not picking. You are not happy. But you see a beggar on the way. Even if it's 15 naira, give the person. When you start doing that, you are entering the level of those who have. And it will start manifesting in your life. This is true. Hallelujah. How do you grow in the anointing? Somebody is sick around you. Pray for the person. Don't wait for the day Jesus will appear to you. Oh, have you taken medication? I can now also pray for you. Just pray. It might be just one word. Oh, Father, thank you. Be healed in Jesus' name. And walk away. When you start doing that, something is happening. When they mention a problem in your office, don't just go and hide that some have knowledge they will do it at me. Don't count yourself away from the living. A lot of people, there is no enemy against them. They are the ones against themselves. Once something progressive is mentioned, they shut themselves out. 
that we, you, you pass by a beautiful house. You say that, you say, all those who have stolen the money, all those who have sold their money. And then later you are praying, oh God, bless me. Is it everyone that is rich that is a thief? Hallelujah. Are you following me? Stop counting yourself out. By, by the experience of evil, you said they have spoiled our country. They. Are you not a citizen of the same country? Can't God use you to do something? Stop using the word they. Those who are spoiling it came here just like you two came here. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray for everybody that this mind, this thing I've shared with you, will grow with you. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for this heart that is called the contrite spirit. A soft heart. A tender heart. A heart of a child. Praise the Lord. That easily says sorry when sorry should be said. Without feeling bad. An open heart that confesses when one is wrong. And you are not ashamed of it. Shall we rise? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the teaching of Pastor Shola Oshumakinde. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.